Oh God, we give you thanks for this day, and we thank you that we are in your home. Thank you for welcoming us through your Holy Spirit, and thank you for the gift of seeing your face among the faces here. We pray that by the end of this day, we will have served you both in worship and service outside your church to those in need and those that we meet. So bless our time together, O oh God, that we might truly be a blessing to others. With Christ we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for allowing me to be with you today. Uh, my name is Scott Sharp, and I, as I said earlier, I work for the Methodist Foundation, which serves uh, New Mexico and Texas. So I get to drive around a lot, and this is my third time to be here at, Los at Morningstar uh, since July 1st. So I was thinking about that this morning, and there is an old Sunvolt song. Now, okay, any alt-country fans in the house? Hey! Stewart. Of course, I should have looked here first. There's an old Sunvolt song, and you can look it up later, and it says, Las Cruces is a part of you now. <laughs> Just for clipped. <laughs> but no, thank you for allowing me to be with you. Um, this is a little bit of who I am. I've served in the Oklahoma conference for about eight years and the New Mexico conference. I've been in campus ministry, small church ministry, a big church that thought it was small, a small church that thought it was big, and you know all those kinds of things. Um, mostly, I have just been in ministry and in places that you do these things. Uh, I've lived in New Mexico now for 15 years. We came here to Albuquerque uh, for my wife's job, which is connected to Central in Albuquerque. She runs a ministry called Saranam, which is a two-year educational and housing ministry for homeless families. So if you want to know more about that, I can tell you about that later. Uh, if you want to know about that, you can look it up, saranam.org, on your free Wi-Fi that Morningstar provides you. So if it gets really boring, I'll know what you're doing. Anyway, so now I work at TMF, and TMF is the Methodist Foundation. And it started in the 30s when, uh, that's the 1930s, for you younger people. Uh, and back in those days, there was a big crash on Wall Street, and there were some people in Texas, out in West Texas specifically, who were very concerned that local Methodist churches were going to close because of the crisis. And so they, they took a lot of their money together, and they put it together, and they created this Methodist foundation. That's original purpose was to keep buildings open for people to worship in. Well, now we're a foundation of about, well, in the new year, we'll be about $700 million dollars. And uh, the president of our foundation has said, you know, it's foreseeable that we'll get to a billion dollars in assets, and if the church is not stronger, we will have failed. So part of our ministry is financial, but part of it is doing what I do, being uh, a resource for local churches like yourself and the resources of TMF. And so you have a financial resource here. The loan that you took to build this building is with us. But part of what we also do is more on the software side of things, where we do um, leadership ministry with folks. So that's a little bit of what we do. So uh, I drive around all that sort of teal color. So I have a little car, and it goes a long way. And I visit churches just like yours um, pretty much every week, somewhere, somehow, doing something. So it's a lot of fun. I get to see a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. And I was telling uh, somebody earlier today that when I left Central, my last appointment, they gave me a camera as a gift and said, go take pictures. I'm like, okay, I will. It'll be fun. So anyway, so I work at TMF. We steward potential. 
Now, we don't steward potential. Oh, but we steward potential. We're trying. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a way Homer. Anyway, um, we're trying to, to grow what's in a place, right? We're trying to bring forth the potential of a person, a church, an entity, an organization for the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, my best way of understanding that is through what I call my children. Now, I have three kids. They're 11, 8, and 7. And this is them this summer on a little float thing behind a boat that my father-in-law owns. Now, on, the, on your right is our middle daughter. Uh, she's autistic and dyslexic, so I appreciated the video today. Uh, she's got some sensory disorder stuff and just has a wild ride through life. And so if you could see this picture a little more clearly, she's having a ball back there. This is where she feels things. And she, like one year we were back doing that and she almost fell asleep because it just put her, you know, it's so much sensory. She's like, can we go any faster, Dad? Now, so she is sort of enjoying this moment. The child on your far left is Lucy, my youngest daughter. She's about ready to fall off and so she's a little bit afraid. Now, when I think about stewarding her potential, she's a natural comedian. She is funny. Like, there are nights when she has me cracking up. Like, the other night, she decided to put on this new persona. So she, she's seven, and she decides to become an old man. So she starts saying, back in my day, we didn't have shoes. I was like, what did you wear? Mud. And, you know, she's just going on and on and on. I'm cracking up laughing, you know, and... So she's got this natural comedic sense and she's very extroverted and she has friends and school is just a means to an end, you know, and really nurturing that part of her. And so, yeah, anyway. Um, and then, so then the, in the middle is my oldest daughter. And I'm fairly certain she's gonna wind up being a prosecuting attorney. Uh, she, but she just knows how it should be. And she's the protector, and she keeps things organized. And she's like, where were you on the night of the 5th when my Legos disappeared? <laughs> and I cry, because I know I was playing with them. <laughs> so that's part of what it means for me to steward potential. Knowing that the journey that each one of those kids is going to take, I have no idea what it's going to be but I have my opportunity in these moments to add to their decision-making and what they might want to do in moving forward. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was all about stewarding potential. If you know any of his story, he was a Pharisee. His name was Saul, and he persecuted the church, and he wanted the church sort of run out of town, and he was willing to even kill people to do that. But he had a transformative moment in his life in which God said, I see something different in you. And he became Paul at that point, and he became the missionary to the Gentile world. He took the message of Jesus Christ to literally all of the known world, traveling here, there, and yon, starting churches, establishing ministries, growing relationships with people, 
and finding a way to plant the church wherever it could be. Just like somebody looked across I-25 at some point back in the day and said, there should be a Methodist presence over yon side of I-25. I thought that was really good, sort of Las Crucian, West, you know. Thank you, thank you very much. So, I mean, somebody saw this as a potential and said, we're going to start a church there. And today we're reaping the benefit of that. We have a place to worship God and to serve others. Paul did that too. And so he went and he traveled and he preached the good news and he established churches. And one of the earliest churches that he established was in Thessalonica. And so 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians in the New Testament are the, some of the earliest writings that we have in the Bible in terms of the New Testament. And they're his letters to that church. Now, how many of you have ever written a love letter? Thank you, Sean. I'm glad to see that hand. How many of you have written a love email? <laughs> send a love text? Yeah, you know, send a love Snapchat? I mean, I don't even know what you do anymore. I'm so old school. But, you know, when I first, the first time I really fell in love, I was living in Missouri where I grew up, and I fell in love with this girl who lived in Oklahoma. And I, we wrote a lot of letters back and forth, and I, I imagined what her life was like. I mean, Oklahoma, there are cows. That's all I knew. And so I finally got to go visit her. And when I visited her, everything changed about the way I wrote letters to her because I now knew what her house looked like. It was out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it, was, it, it was different than I imagined. And I knew it differently because I had been there. Now, Paul's letter to the, Thessalon the Thessalonians is so deeply entrenched and written in this relationship because he had been there with them. Now, you compare that to Paul's letter to the Romans, and Romans is sort of almost uh, sort of clean and clear and sort of, you know, medicinal because he had not been to Rome, but he had lived with the Thessalonians. He had been in ministry with them. He had, this was a love letter to them. In a similar vein, I was with a realtor on Friday and she was talking about what it's like to have GPS now. She's like, oh my gosh, it's so much easier. I just punch in the address and it takes me there. She's like, when I first started out, I had maps you know, their paper that folds. It's weird. She said, so, so it's so much easier. But then she said, but I don't know the neighborhoods as well anymore. I don't have the pulse of them the same way. I don't, I don't know the nooks and crannies because I don't get lost as much. So when we look at Thessalonians, it's a letter written to people that Paul loves. And it's a letter written to people that Paul loves from a depth of relationship that probably no other letter has. So I want to read a little bit to you and so that you can kind of get a glimpse of this. And then we'll, then we'll think about what clear message Paul is sending through his letter. So this is chapter 2. If you want to follow along in your Bible, it's on page 1188. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Again, this was not an easy job that Paul was doing 
It was very, very difficult. Yet, our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly, even though we were surrounded by many who opposed us. So you can see that we were not preaching with any deceit or impure purposes or trickery. Paul starts his letter, or starts chapter 2 by, again, explaining that the reason he is there was in, in part to be nurtured back to health, but in part to share the good news, not for any other reason than to share the clarity of Jesus' love. Then he goes on, For we speak as messengers who have been approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He is the one who examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not just pretending to be your friends so you would give us money. Have I introduced myself? <laughs> Again, Paul is there because of purity of heart. Do you have a clear message like that in your life? About why you're here? What takes you out of here? Not for any way to manipulate anyone, but for the clarity of preaching the good news. He goes on. As for praise, we never asked for it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but we were gentle among you as a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we gave you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Now, friends, I think that is one of the most beautiful lines in the Bible. For isn't that really sort of what happens after God so loves the world? That we love people so much that we not only give Christ, but we give our own lives too. That is a clear message of faith. How many of you have ever seen an unclear message of faith at church? Uh-huh. I like this one. <laughs> Hurts my head a little bit. One way. Just choose one. You know? This one's from Albuquerque, I bet. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I know it's not Albuquerque is that there's not an orange cone by it. You know? And finally... You got to be brave to go on the Dry Creek Water Park. <laughs> Sometimes we get messages that really aren't clear, right? And the church has been really bad about that over the years. We love you, but don't sit in my seat. Right? We love you, especially when. Or we love you until you don't. Hmm. Paul writes to the Thessalonians and said, we loved you so much that we gave you Christ and we gave you ourselves. That's what it's like when things come into focus and get clear. I think Paul would leave us with a few questions today for us to consider. The first one is this. What's the clear message that you have for your life as you think about what it means for you in all that you do, as your family or whatever it is, in the way that you love and serve Jesus Christ. 
What's the clarity of the message that you would share? I love Jesus because. I serve God because. The way I express my faith is. Those three questions, pretty simple and straightforward and can be helpful ways to clarify one's message. The second one is this. I think Morningstar is clear about X, Y, Z. I'm at Morningstar because I want others to experience Morningstar because, or I want other people to experience Morningstar so that. Those kinds of clarifying questions are really helpful. My mother was so good at that. Mom, I want to do this. Tell me why you're interested in doing that. To get out of the house? <laughs> she always asked really great questions. Do you realize, or it took me a long time to realize how well she stewarded my potential by asking me questions I didn't want to answer. How well she did that. My dad stewarded my potential by, he was a bricklayer, and I quit college for a while to, because of the girl in Oklahoma. Yeah. Laugh. Go ahead. It was pretty sad. Um, so I, so I, began, I, I became a bricklayer apprentice. Oh, good grief. I got applying to college real quick again after that. Uh, but my dad taught me what it means to do a job and do it well. He taught me what it means um, to have uh, respect to people that work for you. I saw him give pink slips to guys and they shook his hand and said, thanks, Dad, thanks Wilbur. And nobody ever got angry with him because he was always a very respectable person. I, I mention this because the last thing I want to share with you is that in Paul's passage, he mentions both a mother image and a father image as having a way to bring forth potential. He talks about how he and his other and his co-workers were like a mother nurturing this Thessalonian congregation. And then in the passage that just follows where I read today, he talks about him being a father who encourages and really gives a oomph to people to live out their faith. My guess is that with any situation we're in, there are times when we can help that potential and steward that potential either by nurturing it or kicking it in the hiney, as the case might be. It's just the wisdom to know the difference, right? So as we leave today, what are you clear about? What's the, what's the image that you have of that mother and that father in you that's nurturing all the potential that you have responsibility over? So grateful that you're here today, and I'm grateful that I have had the opportunity to be here. And I am so glad that Las Cruces is indeed a part of me now. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the gift of these letters that were written in love and 
written for a church that was trying to find its way. Thank you for Paul and his ministry who nurtured what it means to be faithful in any place, including the one in which we find ourselves today. So may we be faithful, O God, through your Holy Spirit and through your grace that we truly might be a place for people to call home. So it's with Christ that we pray.